Hey, Journey, thanks for joining us here. Uh, we had a fantastic time celebrating Easter with you guys last week. And today we want to continue our series on hope. And I want you to leave today knowing one thing. Listen, what I'm not doing is giving you permission to cut this off after I say this one thing, right? We want you to stay here to the end. But I want you to know one thing. You're going to see it run through uh, the little bit of time we have together today. And that is this. It's that God is nuts about you. Man, he is crazy about you. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. It's a love that really you'll never be able to understand. So I want you to know that God loves you, that he's crazy about you. Look, that's what Easter was all about, wasn't it? That we celebrated the fact that there was a God who loves us enough that he was willing to go to extraordinary measures to have a relationship with us. Do you remember? Let me ask you, do you remember? The nervousness of approaching someone you like, maybe somebody you had a crush on for the first time. Well, today we're going to look at a lady who nervously approached Jesus, and what she got in return was a miracle. I don't know about you, but it normally didn't work out that way for me. And I remember a new girl moving into the city where uh, I grew up, and I remember taking notice of her. And in fact, we'd been at some of the same things together, and she began going to the same church that I went to. And, and one evening, we were playing tennis. And I remember thinking that I'd done a really good job on the tennis court, and so this would probably be a good time to talk to her. And I remember walking over to her as we're walking off of the tennis courts and looking at her and going, hey, this is kind of fun. You should call me sometime. And she responded by going, yeah, I don't call boys. Uh, to, to which I stumbled and went, well, hey, can I get your number, right? <laughs> let, let me get your number so that I can call you. And what happened was a friendship developed from that awkward conversation, a friendship that lasted for years and eventually turned into a dating relationship. And as the relationship began to progress, I want you guys to know this, that, that she noticed something. And not long after that, I began to notice something also. And what she noticed was that I have issues, Right? If you've been in a relationship, you've probably noticed the same thing. That if you date somebody a little while, you notice that, that they have some issues. And I want to give you something that's freeing because they notice the same thing about you. They look at you and they go, wow, they got some issues I didn't know about, right? There's some things that they need to deal with. Many of you have been staying at home with your spouses more than you normally do. And you've noticed they have some issues, right? You've noticed it right now. There's a husband sitting by his wife, and he's slurping his coffee instead of sipping it. And the wife is thinking, man, you got some issues, right? You need to stop that. Some of you have noticed that your spouse chews too loud, right? You're thinking, have you always chewed your food that loud? Something that my wife noticed is that I breathe too loud, right? <laughs> You're breathing too loud. I'm like, well, do you want me to stop, right? What do you want me to do with this? We all have issues. There are all things that, that we could do differently or things that we could fix about ourselves. But what we tend to do is we tend to focus on the issues of other people and we ignore the issues that we have ourselves. And so today as we dig into a passage in the book of Luke, we're going to see a person who realizes that they have an issue and they believe that getting that issue in front of Jesus is the solution to their issue. And so we're going to look at that passage today. So Luke chapter 8, we're going to read it right here. It says this, that as Jesus went with him, he was surrounded by the crowds. And a woman in the crowd had suffered for 12 years with constant bleeding. And she could find no cure. Coming up behind Jesus, she touched the fringe of his robe. Look at this. And immediately the bleeding stopped. Who touched me? Jesus asked. Everyone denied it, and Peter said, 
Master, this whole crowd is pressing up against you. But Jesus said, someone deliberately touched me. In other words, there's a reason that this person touched me, for I felt the healing power go out from me. And when the woman realized she could not stay hidden, she began to tremble and fell to her knees in front of him. And the whole crowd heard her explain why she had touched him and that she had been immediately healed. And daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. So what we see here is a woman who had been suffering for years, and oftentimes in the gospel, we see Jesus touching people and healing them. But this doesn't take place here. This takes no initiative from Jesus, but all the initiative is in the woman herself. She's been struggling for 12 years. She has an issue of that she's certain. She's also certain of the fact that if she gets her issue to Jesus, then he can fix the issue. And so she gathers in with a crowd of people thinking maybe Jesus won't notice. And she touches the hem of Jesus' robe. And immediately the woman's issue is fixed. She is healed from the disease that has been plaguing her. And so as we look into this story, I want you to just realize four simple things this morning. And the first one is this. is that Jesus already knows your issues. He already knows your issues. Oftentimes we try to hide our issues and we try to act like they don't exist. And sometimes we even try to hide those things from God. And we don't want Him to see the weak moments in our life or the sins that we secretly struggle with. But there's a lot of freedom when we recognize the truth that God already knows your issues. He knows what they are. He knows you completely. In fact, if you're taking notes, just go ahead and jot this truth down. He already knows your issues. He knows everything about you. He knows absolutely everything about you. He knows the things that other people know. He knows the things that you've tried to hide from others. He knows the things that you wish nobody else knew. He knows every single thing about you. The Bible puts it this way in the book of Matthew. It says, but not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And the very hairs on your head are all numbered. Look, the very hairs on your head, something that small, something as small as a hair follicle are numbered. He knows how many hairs you have. And while we're talking about it, can we just agree right now that stylists and barbers are essential, right? The next time this occurs in our culture, we should say these are essential workers because I'm thinking that you guys are probably like me and right now you need a haircut. And so he says, so don't be afraid. He knows even the hairs on your head. So don't be afraid. You are more valuable to God than a whole flock of sparrows. He knows everything about you and he still considers you a person of great value. He knows you and not only does he know you, he knows your issues. He cares about them. He cares about your issues. I remember growing up and learning how to pray and there were things I thought maybe I shouldn't pray about that as I got older, right? When you're a kid, you you pray about anything. You're in a group of people and they say, hey, do you have something uh, that we can pray about, and you're like, hey, yeah, yeah, my puppy got out last night, and uh, and he got in trouble, and so let's just pray for my puppy to learn to mind better. Nothing is too small. You bring it all before God, right? I got, a, I got a scrape on my finger, and so I want you guys to pray with me that God will heal that scrape, and as we get older, we begin to think that maybe God don't care about things that we view as trivial and small, 
anymore. But I want you to be assured today that not only does God already know about your issues, but he cares about them. So if there are things in your life and you've been thinking, I don't know if God cares about this or not, I'm going to say this, that the same God who cares enough to know how many hairs you have on your head cares enough to know about everything in your life. And not only does he care enough about it, but he cares enough about it to do something. And so he knows your issues. The lady that we're looking at today didn't feel valuable enough to approach Jesus. And so she snuck in in the the midst of a bunch of other people hoping to be unnoticed. And so I want this issue fixed and then I want to disappear again. I don't want anyone to know that I was here. I just want the issue to be gone and I'm going to disappear. But Jesus noticed her and he knew her issues and he cared enough about them to do something. So I want you to be assured God already knows your issues. He knows the fears that you're facing in life right now. Look, he knows that you're scared to get out and go to Walmart. He understands that. He knows the other things going on in your life. He knows maybe that you're afraid that when this is all said and done that you won't be able to pay your bills, that maybe you'll lose your home. He knows how nervous you are sitting at home every day. If you've lost your job or you've been laid off, he understands that. He already knows about the issues that you're facing. If, if you think that you're about to lose your mind, if you have to spend one more second with your kids in the same house, look, you don't have to hide from that. He already knows it. He knows the things that you're going through. He understands your fears. He also understands your problems, right? He gets it. He understands that there are things right now that you're afraid of. He understands that there are problems right now that you're facing. And, and that's why the Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, it says this, to give all your worries and cares to God. Why? Because He cares for you. And you can rest assured that you serve a God that not only knows you, He knows every single thing about you, and He still loves you, and He still cares for you. And so we bring our fears And we bring our problems and we bring our troubles to him because he cares for us. And not only does he know our problems, but listen, here's the turning point in all of this. He's big enough to handle any issue you might have. It isn't as if there are problems that you can bring to God and he'll go, man, I don't know what I can do with that one. I don't think I can handle that issue. In fact, you serve a God and you belong to a God who is big enough to handle any issue that you have right now. We serve a God that at the snap of a finger could end coronavirus and everyone be healed in the blink of an eye in just a moment. He is all-powerful and there is absolutely nothing that he cannot do and you have no problem or fear that he cannot solve and that he cannot fix. But oftentimes we take our problems other places, right? And we think, man, if I can't handle this myself, then I'll bring this back to God. But I'm going to try to fix it myself right now and we take our problems to places like other people and so we call and we get the advice of someone else and we go hey let me ask this question of you you seem like someone who's probably pretty smart someone that i could learn from and so i'm going to ask you would you give me the advice on this oftentimes even before we take it to other people we take it to google right we begin to type in stuff and we ask questions Simple question. Sometimes it's how do we fix something? Sometimes it's how do we repair something in a relationship? Other times we're not feeling so well and we go to places like WebMD and we begin to type in our symptoms and we realize we've been dead for 10 months already, right? And we take our problems to Google. We take them to other people and sometimes we just take them to ourselves. 
or I'm going to lay in bed at night, and if I stay awake long enough, then I'm going to be able to figure this out, and I'm going to solve it myself. I just need to get away, and I need to spend some more time thinking about it and planning on it. And if I give myself enough time, then I'll figure out how I can get out of the mess that I'm in or how I can solve the problem that I'm wrestling with or the issue that I'm facing in life. And then if none of those things work, then we'll begin to pray. And we'll say, God, you know what? I've tried everything that I know how to do, and I don't know how I'm going to fix this. And so will you intervene and will you fix it for me? Listen, I would suggest today that we should do that in reverse order and that the first person that we should go to when we have an issue or a problem or a fear is the God who created us and loves us. And we go to him and we say, Lord, listen, I want you to know this is what's going on in my life or here's what I feel in my heart. Here's the issue that we are facing as a family and I'm bringing this to you and I'm asking you to intervene and I'm asking you to fix it. Listen, here's what the Bible says about the vastness of God and about his power. Look in Psalms 147. The psalmist says, how great is our Lord. Listen to this. His power is what? His power is absolute. In other words, he's all-powerful. There's absolutely nothing that he can't do or accomplish. His understanding is beyond comprehension. Did you notice the power of God in the passage that we read at the beginning of this message. That the woman just literally touched the hem of his garment and immediately he was healed. Because I want you to know the same power that resided in Jesus still resides. And the God who healed a woman that had been struggling for 12 years is the same God that you and I can bring our issues to today. And he absolutely has the power to bring a solution to them. And not only is he big enough to handle any issue we might have, in fact, he invites us to bring those issues to him. It's an invitation. In Matthew 11, Matthew put it this way. Jesus said this. He said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. It's an invitation for you. It's an invitation for me. It's an invitation for everyone. To come to Jesus, he says, come to me, all you who carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Look, there's an exchange that is going to take place. Jesus is saying this. He says, look, I know you're carrying around some things that you don't want to carry anymore. And so if you will bring those things to me, then I will exchange peace for them. I will exchange rest. And so if you will bring me the burdens that you're carrying the fear that you don't know how to deal with, the uncertainty that is surrounding your life right now, the problems that you're facing, the things that are going on inside of your home, the issues that you have inside of yourself that that no one else knows about. Jesus is saying, if you will bring those things to me, bring your burdens to me, and I will exchange them with rest, and I will exchange them with peace. Listen, jot down a couple of things that we can exchange. The first thing... I want you to know is this, is that you can exchange your worry for peace. We live in almost unprecedented times. Certainly in our lifetime, we've never seen anything quite to the scope of what we're facing right now. And it has produced a lot of worry. All you have to do is log in online or maybe you need to pick up something from the grocery store and you pull in to Walmart and you see people scampering around with worry all over their face. There's no way to hide it at the moment. People are overcome with doubt and with fear 
and with worry. And Jesus is saying, listen, I'm willing to make an exchange with you. If you bring me that worry, I will exchange it for something better. In fact, the Bible says this in Philippians. Paul gives us this command. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He has done. And you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds as you live in Christ Jesus. So maybe you're watching this. You're thinking, man, this all sounds great, Daniel, but how do I actually bring worry and fear to God? I'd say that the Apostle Paul just laid it out for us. And he says, look, we bring these things to God through prayer. We make a decision that I'm not going to worry about anything, but listen, but, but with everything in my life, I'm going to bring it to God. I'm going to pray about it. And I'm going to say, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to say, Lord, you know what's going on in my life right now. There's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety and I really don't know what's going to happen in my life, with my job, with my family, in this world. I don't know what's happening. I don't understand it. But there's fear inside of me. And then we claim the Word of God. We say, God, I know also that you have not given me a spirit of fear. That's not the spirit that you've given me. And so I refuse to walk in that. And we bring our requests and we bring our petitions before God. And we hand that off. I say, Lord, I know that you've commanded me not to worry. You said don't be anxious about anything, and so I'm going to choose not to worry, and I'm going to choose not to be anxious, and in fact, I'm going to give you that worry, and I'm going to give you that fear. Right now, you take it. I want to exchange it for the peace that you have to offer, and that's exactly what we can do. We can exchange worry for peace, but listen, here's something that's even more important than that. We can exchange death for life. We can exchange death for life. In the book of Ephesians, the Bible says this, But God is so rich in mercy. Look, and He loved us. That's what we've been talking about. He loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, He gave us life when He raised Christ from the dead. And it's only by God's grace that you have been saved. Listen, we serve a God that is great in mercy, and we serve a God who is willing to give you new life. He's willing to exchange the death that we are meant to experience with life. And John 10 says this, that Jesus came not just to give us life, but to give us life to the full or to give us abundant life. He wants to exchange the ordinary life that you're walking through and you're living today with a life of abundance, a life that you enjoy, a life of purpose, a life of meaning. The Greco-Persian wars went on for a long time. Look, I, I know a lot of you guys don't, don't enjoy history the way I do, but I love history. And, and the Persian Empire was a great empire. And they were expanding, and they were, in fact, they were pretty much conquering anyone that they came in contact with. And the Greeks and the Persians began to battle, and it was a war that went on for decades. But in the year 479 B.C., there was a decision that had to be made by the Greeks. And so the Persians had closed in on them. The battles had raged for years at this point, and the Greeks had a decision to make. And the decision was this. We can surrender and throw ourselves at the feet of the Persians, and then they will do with us whatever they want. And the Greeks didn't know what this meant. Maybe it meant slavery for some of them. Maybe it meant that their property would be confiscated. Maybe it went 
that they would be shipped off to different areas and to different regions. It may have meant that their families were broken up. For many of them, it may have even meant that their lives were at stake, that if all of a sudden they surrendered to the nation of Persia, then certain people who were in leadership would be executed so that they would no longer have influence over people. And so there was a lot that, that hung in the balance. But the decision of whether or not to surrender or fight was not made by a tyrant or a king or even a ruler. In fact, the Greeks instituted one of the first democracies that we know about in the world, and the decision was left up to the people. Do we fight or do we flee or do we surrender? And the vote was real simple. The, the men who owned land were the ones who could vote at the time, and they were asked to choose between two rocks. And one rock was black, and one rock was white. And if a man walked up and he picked up a black rock and he put it in the voting bucket, that meant that we're going to surrender, that we're going to put ourselves at the mercy of the Persians. But if he walked in and he picked up a white rock, look, that meant that we're not going to surrender, but we're going to fight and we're going to perfect or protect the freedom that we currently have. And the Greeks had been amazing. They had built up a strong army, and they had trained kids since the age of seven to go and to fight battles. And so one by one, people walked up, and they picked up a rock out of one bucket, and they put it in another. And there were many people that picked up a black rock, much like this one. And they picked it up out of one bucket, and they put it into another, and they said, I'm going to surrender. This is a fight that I don't want to fight. But even more people walked by the bucket. They picked up a rock much like this one. One that was white, and they dropped it in the bucket. And they said, I'm not ready to give up my freedom. In fact, if it costs me my life, then so be it. Let's go fight. Let's protect what we have right here. Because I want you to know something similar happens in our life all the time. But the truth of the matter is none of us have a white rock. We all have a black one. The Bible tells us that we're born with a sin nature, which means that you and me and every other human being on the face of this planet is born with an innate desire to go against the will of God and do things that we know are sinful that go against Him. Look, you don't have to go hunt this out. You already have it. This is something that you were born with. It's something that you carry around. You can see it from the youngest child to the oldest man that we're selfish people and we kind of have a bent toward being sinful people. And we've broken the laws of God, and we've broken the will of God. And Bible is real clear. It says that the results of this is death. That the result of the nature that resides inside of us, the result of the sin that we've carried out, is death. And Jesus invites us to exchange our death. Listen, he invites you, if you will, to drop your rock in his bucket. And he says, if you will give me your rock, if you will give me your death, I will take it. And I will exchange it for life. And I'll exchange it for purpose. And I'll exchange it for meaning. Look, it breaks down in every, every area of our life. If you bring me your worry, I'll exchange it for peace. If you bring me your doubts, I'll exchange them for courage. And today, I want to ask you this. Are you willing to exchange what you currently have for what God wants for you? Listen, if that's the decision you want to make today... I want to be clear about something. The Bible is clear again that we're all sinful people and we deserve to die. But the gift of God is eternal life. It's that exchange that takes place. You see, Jesus doesn't just take a rock from you, but he literally takes the punishment that you deserve. And Jesus was willing 
to give his life for you on a cross. We celebrated that on Good Friday, and then he showed that he had power over sin and over death when he rose from the grave. And now he offers you, in exchange of your surrender, he offers you eternal life. And that can begin right here, right now. So listen, here's your next step for today. It's real simple. It's to exchange the things that you have and you don't need for the things that God wants for you. Again, I'm not certain what that is for you, but you are. You know what it is right now. You know your issue. You know what you're struggling with. And I want to encourage you. Listen, don't turn this off without saying, Jesus, you know what? I want to give that to you. And maybe today you want to accept Christ as your Savior for the first time. You want to exchange death for life. Then I want to encourage you to do that. You can do it by saying a prayer similar to this one. Lord, I realize that I need you. And Lord, today I admit that I'm a sinner. And God, today I want to surrender to you. I want to give you my life. I believe that you paid the price for my sins. And that in you I find forgiveness. I ask this in Jesus' name. Hey, if you said that, would you let us know? There's some forms that are popping up right now. Maybe there's a number that you can text to that's showing. Would you let us know what God has done in your life? Would you guys join me in prayer as we close today? Lord, thank you so much for who you are, for the way you love us, for the way that you care for us. God, give us the courage to let go of the things that are controlling our life and exchange them for you and for the joy and for the hope and for the peace that can be found in the person of Jesus. We ask these things in his name. Amen. Hey, thank you, Pastor Daniel, for that timely message. And congratulations to all of you that just made this life-changing decision. If you put your faith in Christ, it's the greatest decision that you've ever made. It'll affect every decision you make from this point forward. And we want to help you with your next steps. If you will, text the phrase, My Decision, to the number on your screen. And we would love to help you as you start this journey with Christ. Again, we're so excited to see what all God does in you and through you. And we know He's going to make a, a huge impact in your life. Now we're going to bring our tithes and offerings to God. And I would encourage you to put God first in this area of your life. Now, we've made this super simple. You should see a slide with three ways to give or a link in the comment section to the Journey Giving page. And there you can return your tithe and offering. And if you need help learning how to give online, we have several tutorial videos on our YouTube page. And you can go there for for more information on how to give online. But we believe our giving is what allows us to make the greatest impact with the gospel. And so we want to ask God to bless our obedience as we give. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for the opportunity to give. But God, I also thank you for the message of hope that was shared today. I thank you, Lord Father, that you are not done with us. God, that you have you have tasks in front of us. You have opportunities in front of us. You have an opportunity in front of the church. And so God, I pray that you would bless our giving as we give. God, we would give with excitement, anticipation about what you're going to do in this new season that we're in. Father, having to do so many things digitally. God, we, we know that, we're, Father, you're taking the gospel to new places. Father, into new homes. God, we pray that you'd bless it. And I pray that we would just be obedient as your people, as your church. God, to, to give and to return your tithe. So God, we ask you to bless it. Use us all, use everything for your purposes and for your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, listen, we're so glad that you have joined us today. And we look forward to seeing you next week. But God is doing great things, so don't miss that. This past week we have celebrated the, the resurrection. You know what? And it's not something that ends with Easter. We can celebrate the power of the resurrection every Lord's Sunday. And so we look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Have a blessed week.